I'm Stina. I'm Danielle. We want to focus on uh, television and movies in particular. Yes. Disclaimer that we are in no way film experts. A deep, like, dive. Be quiet. Whoa. I'm yelling. Back me up on this one. (laughs) Hey, you're listening to Two Girls Watch TV. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Two Girls Watch TV. I am Danielle. And I'm Stina. Danielle, do you notice, um, I, I feel like, I feel like I can say it now because we've been doing the podcast for over a year with, like, new stuff, and do you feel like with every award season, you're like, oh my god, like, I'm watching these shows, and I'm, I'm just holding them so close. And then when the next award season comes, you're like, oh, I gotta watch these movies. But then you grow to love those movies and you're like, no one can take these movies away from me. And like next year, it's gonna be like, oh, now we gotta watch these movies. I like grow to love them. <laughs> like they are my babies. Like you grow an emotional attachment to these movies? Yeah, every year. And I'm like, oh, I don't wanna watch those new movies. I want these movies. But then I watch those movies and I love them too. You're gonna be a grandma and being like, oh, remember that one time we watched Nomad Land? You kids wouldn't understand. They're gonna be like, Grandma, get out of the RV. <laughs> Never. You can pry you can pry me from this cold RV. what am I trying to say here? You can pry me from this RV. You can't take this pry me from here with my cold dead hands yeah i was trying i was trying to inter what interweave both of those sayings but it doesn't work out yeah that's interesting so anyway (laughs) we're watching all these movies i like hear the titles of them and i'm like excited about them particularly this one what what are we doing today christina today we're doing ma rainey's black bottom we are and where is it available it is available. I didn't write this down, but it's on Netflix. It I'd also like to point out for a fun little piece of it, they have a 31-minute behind-the-scenes. Um, I'm so sorry for it squeaks. That's well, you gotta do what you gotta do, you know. Um, a behind-the-scenes 31-minute thing, like I don't know, it's a behind-the-scenes thing, but it's a thir- it's like 30 minutes long, and it talks about everything that they did. what the actors went through, what they were feeling, what their goals were, the costumes, and that's also on Netflix. I did watch that as well, because, you know, when it's a movie, I can do more things. (laughs) I did not watch that. Was it good? It was was very interesting. It was very, very, very interesting. Didn't Denzel produce this? He did. He was one of the producers. Um, I think my favorite part about that was when they started talking about the costumes, and the woman who was in charge of costumes, I, I don't remember her name, um was so very much like overly invested in like such a good way and would like tell them where all of the pieces came from, make them as authentic as possible. Like even down to, I don't really know suits like that. Mm-hmm. Like I know my blazers and I know that I like a long blazer yeah. and I preferably buy one with minimal padding in the shoulders because, you know, but she went into like, the details of the suits and what was needed at that time and how suits are like different. I thought all of that was very, very interesting because a lot of times we hear about costumes, mm-hmm. but we don't always know like the ramifications that they went through to make them. I thought it was very interesting. 
Yeah, I think costume design is super fascinating because especially when you're working with a period piece like this that's supposed to be 1920s. We also, I mean, if you look at the trajectory of women's fashion versus men's fashion, women's fashion has changed exponentially where like men's fashion, it may have changed, but the idea of the suit has such like minor detail and minor changes to it that it's they're never like reinventing the wheel with that one so to be able to like pay attention to the like details that make it authentic to 1927 is very important yeah i mean she talked about why they would wear suspenders at that time and i was like really? what to hold your pants up but they were like why why suspend yeah i just it was very it was very interesting yeah. you know what i hate though tying back into things um, the empire waist is coming back in style, and I am not having it. I'm trying to think of an empire waist. I know, like, the baby doll style is coming back. And that's tomato, tomato. Okay. <laughs> Six yeah, of one, went, half a dozen we of another. Went bridal dress shopping. The one thing I said I never wanted to try on, other than the ball gown, mm-hmm. uh, was the one thing that I said I never wanted to try on was an empire waist. Dave, if you're listening, I know that you want, don't want to know anything about my gown, which is totally fine, but I'm just going to say it. It's not an empire ways. Hey, I'm not doing it. Well, I don't see the baby doll style being in for, like, wedding dresses or, like, formal wear. I see it more casual wear, but it has to go with, like, an exaggerated puff sleeve and a ruffle. An exact. Oh, my Lord. I'll tell you the one practicality component of it is if you're pregnant it's the perfect dress because it's not going to constrict your stomach because Mm -hmm. it stops right under your chest yeah but i'm that's one style as we're talking about what's been repeated i'm gonna i'm gonna take a hard pass on that one i'll take the big jeans the boyfriend jeans i'll take all that you want me to retire my skinny jeans you little gen zers i'll do whatever you want but i am not i am absolutely positively not wearing an empire waist anything it's so funny you bring the skinny jeans up because i'm like getting ready to move so i went through all of my closet and a part of me was like should i get rid of my skinny jeans and then there was a voice inside the back of my head saying no because they'll probably be back in shortly so i'm just holding on to them i feel like i came out of this pandemic and i don't know what to wear like ever. But also, skinny jeans are practical. Don't you dare get rid of them. Because when you want to wear Uggs again, good luck shoving those jeans in the Ugg. Right? It's not going to happen. Not going to happen. See, the jean goes right in. The only impractical thing about skinny jeans is putting them on. Like, I, like... Oh, when you get out of the shower, forget about it. The having to slip them on your body and the jumps that you have to do to get them in place, it's a lot. It's a lot of effort to get those pants on. My loose-fitting, like, high-waisted vintage Gap jeans that I need to go on eBay and find more of because I'm obsessed with and I'm about to get a hole in the butt, but, you know, that's my life. Um, they fit on, they just pull right on. No, no problems. The gap jeans that you gave me, the boyfriend fit gap jeans that you gave me. Do you remember? No. How many pairs of boyfriend fit gap jeans have I given you? 
for like not many. You gave me, I think you gave me two pairs of jeans. One was, I think you gave me my boyfriend jeans. I don't think I had one pair before that. Were now they... I have, you gave me black ones that were, that are actually men's jeans. Oh, those were in Gap though. No, but you gave me a Gap pair. They're like almost like an acid wash. They're very, very light and they don't go all the way down. They're like almost like a seven eighths cut and they roll. You gave them to me with the gray baseball tee when I went through your clothes and I was like, you're like, oh, and the shirt's from the Gap too. And I was like, oh my God, I'm all gapped out. Yeah. See, I, I don't, but I found, so in like the vintage realm of things, because I really am big into like buying vintage clothing and buying thrifted clothing and secondhand, everyone makes a big stink about Levi's jeans being like the best high-waisted fit jeans. There is a vintage pair of jeans. They're called the Gap Reverse Fit, and Ooh. they fit like a dream like very very comfortably they got a lot of space in the leg i love them and i had this like is it a retired cut yeah i don't think they make them anymore and if they do it's not going to be the same hot damn yeah it's called the reverse fit reverse fit so i'm about to go on ebay and snatch them all up before word gets out i'm gonna keep an eye out on poshmark yeah i have a light wash pair that i really really love but I bought them. I bought them on Depop, and um, the knees wore out perfectly. So it's a perfect rip in the knees, and they're just amazing. I love them so much. But now I'm getting a hole in the butt, and that's not going to be cute. So, I need to balance need my holy jeans and my unholy jeans because sometimes I have so many jeans that I love, but they have holes in them, and I'm like, I can't wear these to work. Yeah. Yep. So okay. it's a it's a toss up. It's toss up. I do want a pair of like the boyfriend jeans that are high waisted with all the holes in them. I just, I don't know if I can bring myself to pay for something with holes in it. (laughs) Buy a vintage pair like me and make the holes yourself. Yeah. Make the holes myself. The only thing that I think I've willingly purchased with holes in it is like Swiss cheese, you know, (laughs) but even then it's like, I can have a whole slice of cheddar. Oh man. This is taking a turn. This has taken a wide turn. We need to get back on track. The widest of turns. So let's go into the awards, Daniel. So at the Golden Globes, uh, Chadwick Boseman was the winner of Best Actor in a Drama Motion Picture, and Viola Davis was nominated for Best Actress in a Drama Motion Picture. At the Academy Awards... Chadwick Boseman is nominated for Best Actor. Viola Davis is nominated for Best Actress. Um, This is nominated for Best Production Design, Best Makeup and Hairstyling, and Best Costume Design. And the woman's name is Anne Roth. I have her name right here. Oh, thank you. Thank you. She's an older woman, too. And I thought to myself, what an excellent career. Yeah. 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 Great. Um, I do, before we get into the climax, I do want to say, do you think, you know what, no. Where the hell are you going? I got the summary, you got the character. All right, you know what, I'm not going to get into it, we'll save it for later. Okay. Tell me the summary. Okay. (laughs) The movie portrays August Wilson's 1984 play, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. The story focuses on Ma Rainey, a very real blues singer. The reason I said it that way, by the way, is because this is a play and it's not it's based on truth. So there's a lot of things that were made because it's a play, but yeah. she's a real person and also a character in the play. Mm-hmm. So that's why I kind of worded it that way. Does okay. that make sense? Yeah. 
I, I wrote, I made a mental note to like provide an explanation for that. So her and her goal of getting in and out of Chicago to record an album on a very hot summer day in the year 1927. While the producer, manager, and band are really on Ma's ride, it doesn't mean we don't get to see their own feelings and emotions and very real struggles. Yes, so let's talk about these characters. Our main character is Ma Rainey, played by Viola Davis. She is serious, seasoned, and incorrigible, incorrigible blues singer who knows what she wants and has no problem telling you how it's going to go. She runs the show. She shows up to the recording session um, with her stuttering nephew, Sylvester, played by Dusan Brown, and her companion, Ducey May, played by Taylor Page. Ma has her band composed of her trombone player and right-hand man Cutler, played by Coleman Domingo. You get the sense that he runs the show when Ma isn't there and is a confidant to Ma. Uh, Her bass player, Slow Drag, played by Michael Potts. He's more reserved and doesn't really get involved in the quote-unquote drama. Uh, Her piano player, Toledo, played by Glenn Thurman, who is not afraid to say what he he wants but winds up being the butt of the joke. And her trumpet player, the newest member of the band, Levy, played by Chadwick Boseman. He is the youngest member of the group, incredibly animated and outspoken, and dreams of being the lead to his own band. Ma's business manager is Irvine, played by Jeremy Shamos. Uh, he does his best to quote unquote keep Ma in check, but really just wants her to get just wants to get the music recorded and be done with it. Uh, sharing the same feeling is Mr. Studevant, played by Johnny Co- Cohen. He owns the recording studio and is tired of how much of a production this recording is to them. So, wait. So before you go on the climax, I just want to take a moment to say because I don't know if. I don't know. I genuinely don't know if you know, but Chadwick Boseman actually passed away in August of last year. Yes, I did know that. This was his last role. Yeah. So I'm I'm wondering if maybe we could just take a moment of silence just to like honor his performance. Thank you. I don't know. It just felt like the right thing to do. I was getting chills every time he had one of his longer monologue pieces. And then I just thought to myself, we should really take a moment of silence just to honor the fact that this was his last performance. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he did a fantastic job, which we'll we'll talk about in the highs. Okay. (laughs) So speaking of Chadwick Boseman, um, throughout the movie, Levy was in a good mood because he felt like he was finally being recognized for his talents. Mr. Studevant took a liking to him and wanted Levy's version of Black Bottom to be recorded and wanted Levy to write songs for him. Um, After much back and forth, unfortunately, the original version of Black Bottom was recorded because Ma was unmovable. At the end of the long recording session, Ma complimented all the members of the band except for Levy. She critiqued his playing because he ad-libbed a lot. Um, We, as the audience, knew that Ma wanted him out of the band because he was getting too close to to Dusty and he kind of just had an ego on him. Um, they have a fight that blows up and he winds up getting in like a quitting fired situation. Like, you can't fire me because I quit. That kind of thing. As the band is getting paid by Mr. Studevant, 
Levy's dreams of recording music get shattered as Mr. Sudafan will not only let him record the songs that he made for him, but will only pay him $5 a song because he didn't really like any of them. Levy is crushed and blows up, but uh, that ultimately leads to him stabbing Toledo and not even realizing that he killed Toledo. And this is where I pass it over to you. Yeah, well, he so he, he did that because... The, he, he scuffed his shoe. Oh, that made, yeah. So it was like building up. Toledo stepped on uh, Levy's new shoes that he spent his whole advance on, and he just went into a, a blind rage. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a classic example of all of the energy kind of held in, and then the first thing that went wrong, all of the energy went on the first thing that went wrong after that. Yeah. Toledo dies in Levy's arms. He puts his he puts him to the ground and it fades out. When the screen has light again, we see an all white ensemble playing, singing, and directing Jelly Roll, one of the songs Levy wrote that quote just wasn't what the label was looking for unquote. So fucked up. So the foreshadowing that I really wanted to focus on here was the whole idea of constantly calling Levy a fool and how it's going to get him in trouble. Mm-hmm. Obviously. And then also he keeps trying to open that door. And I, I caught this and then I watched that again, that 30 minute uh, behind the scenes thing. And it also mentioned that where it's like, you're trying to open the door, you're trying to open the door and then you finally open the door and there's just another wall there. And I forget if it was the director I want to say it was the director who said it, um, that the reason that they did that was because, you know, they're trying to create a sense of who they are in their passions and their careers. And they're, oh, they're just trying to get through the door and they're promised that if they work hard and they strive for success and they do everything right, that all these things are going to be promised to them. And just as he opens the door, he's hit with another, he's hit with a giant three brick walls right? Cause it's all enclosed. The only way to go is up. And it's kind of like he, he did everything he was told to do. He wrote the songs, he sucked it up, he played in the band. And then as soon as he was ready to push through to record the songs, he was just hit with another wall. Um, and it was just very, I, it's probably more symbolism than it is foreshadowing. Cause I think, um, he opened that door after he was told he couldn't have what he wanted. So yeah. it's probably more of symbolism than foreshadowing, but I just, I remember watching it and thinking like, what's, what is behind this door? What's going to happen when they finally open the door? That's yeah. I thought the same thing. I was like, something's going to happen with this door. Something's behind it. And I was, uh, as soon as I saw that it was just brick walls, I was like, that's symbolic as heck. Right. And he just looks up and it's like an impossible climb out. Yep. Um, and I just, thought that that I mean I obviously cannot relate in any way to this struggle but I just thought that that was such a great symbolic piece of what or parallelism rather as to what this character was going through and then you know having a a, a literal struggle in the room with him while he's going through this um emotional and physical and spiritual um struggle of his own yeah, no, I agree. It was actually one of my highs. Like, that whole symbol... That's, oh, shoot, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I'll mention it now. It was definitely one of my highs. That was amazing. It was great. 
Are you are we ready to go into the reviews? Yes. The fun will never stop. The fun will never stop. So okay. Go ahead. So IMDB gave it a seven out of ten. On Metacritic, the mega score was an eighty-seven, so it was ranked a Metacritic must see, but the user score was a six point six. Yeah, on Rotten Tomatoes, the critics rated this a 98%. The audience gave it a 74%. I'm surprised because I, I mean, I don't want to go into my highs or lows yet, but I'm surprised that it was ranked so low. Um, I didn't expect it. Should I go into my... Yeah, give us your review. So this is a 6 out of 10. I tried to find something that was within the realm of... The, the actual ratings mm-hmm. it's called sweaty and monotonous i'm just going to start by saying that i obviously don't agree with everything that this says a sweaty and monotonous film about among other things the white appropriation of black popular culture ma rainey's black bottom like fences from 2016 is a screen adaptation of an august wilson play produced by denzel washington Washington doesn't find a role for himself in this one, handing over the heavy lifting to Viola Davis and the late Chad Bozeman. Like Fences, this film never breaks free of its stage artifice. And what I'm sure was powerful when he, when performed live feels stilted and overly scripted when captured in the intimate close-up. It's a whole lot of one thing, and I was amazed to see that its running time was a lean 94 minutes because I would have bet money it cracked the two-hour mark. Davis gives a couple of opportunities to flex her acting chops, but it's Bozeman who's getting all of the attention and was sure to be recognized come awards time. I have a feeling at least part of that will be due to the fact that he tragically died right around the same time the film came out and the sentiment for him will be strong. But it's also the kind of performance that awards groups awards groups like. It's big and loud and full of monologues, but it always felt to me like Bozeman was trying too hard to act instead of naturally embodying a character. Grade B. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, so I I went out of my way to try to find something that I didn't agree with. (laughs) Yeah, I don't agree with that. Well, (laughs) I also did the same thing, and I grabbed a one and a half star review, and coincidentally, mine also mentions Fences, so let's let's jump into it um ma rainey's black bottom aka bickering the motion picture is based on the work of playwright (laughs) august wilson (laughs) a man who also wrote fences sorry that was that caught me off guard (laughs) this was information i gleaned only after the film was over but it came as no surprise whatsoever both films have heavy state have obvious stage roots um, with relatively few locations, long, see- long scenes, and discourse of interminable monologues. Chadwick Boseman was a great actor, and he'll be sorely missed, but here he essentially does a De Niro from Raging Bull, where nearly everything he says is just a variation on a theme. He brings up a single topic and goes on and on and on about it, I've always found rapid-fire argument dialogue irritating, and this film did not did nothing to change my mind. It could be that this is a passion project for Bozeman, but the cynic in me is convinced 
that the movie was manufactured solely for the purpose of getting him award nominations. His character is superfluous, making little impact on the overall story until the very end. Viola Davis, another great performer, is brought in to look sullen and argue with everybody in her presence, and you quickly start to wish she, sh she would just disappear. The director's main concern seems to be on how quickly he can get from one argument to the next so as to remove any chance of us actually having time to absorb what's happening. It was less maddening than Fences, but no more enjoyable. It's, potent it's a potentially interesting story that's strangled by its origins rather than enhanced by them. It might have attracted a lot of plaudits for its performance, but in just about every way, it left me wanting. So he oh. had a lot of feelings. Yeah. So I would. I, okay. Ma's not a likable character. No. But she's a respected character. Yes. So I feel like, you know, I love hating characters. I love how that happens. I love when characters annoy me. I love when characters conflict with my morals because, or like what I would do in a situation because that means that the character is working so well and the acting is so good that I'm buying into it. Mm -hmm. So I will forever stand by that statement for so long as we have this podcast and then some. I, um, I, I don't agree with in the sense of yours and mine where it's they're trying to get Bozeman awards. I don't agree um, with that either. And you know what? I know people who get stuck on a piece of it's like a dog with a bone, you know, like that's where that saying comes from. There are people who like to argue and there are people who like to make sure that their point is proven. And this is perfectly in alignment with his character. His entire life, he is acting as though he has nothing to prove. Everyone knows he has everything to prove and every interaction he has is him trying to prove something. Mm -hmm. He just thinks that he's so cool that he doesn't have to do it. But that's a very much part of his character. Like, I think that that character development, you know, it's only 90 minutes, but I thought that that character development was so on point with who he was. Yeah. In fact, I probably would have been disappointed if he didn't do that. Yeah. Didn't do, didn't stab Toledo. Didn't, no, 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 no. Um, I'm saying, well, they were mentioning about the monologues and how they were so long and how they were drawn out. Oh, and, okay. The monologues, the monologues. Yeah. With his with his arguing, I mean, um, the stabbing thing at the end. I, so this is the thing, I think that's really important for me to say is that it's a play. We have to take a play for a play. Mm -hmm. It was originally designed as a play, not a movie, and it's specifically about the end of Ma's career, towards the end of her career, kind of similar to Judy. And I noticed that some of the comments were very similar. It's boring, it's long, it's been, I didn't think, I think that I liked this much better than Judy. I don't mean to compare no. the movies, but I, you know, going into, I don't mean to like go right into my highs, but. Yeah, no, I mean, let's, let's transition over because. Well, did you have anything else to say about your, I mean, I just kind of like. No, 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 I, I think that I'm, I picked it so that we could transition into highs and lows. Okay. And I do agree that I liked this a lot better than I liked for Judy because one of the things that I really enjoyed was that it was set in like such a confined space. Like it's not a sweeping biopic 
like a Bohemian Rhapsody where we have to like go through a long story with them. We're getting all this information about these characters in one single moment, and I think that that's really great. Well, I wouldn't necessarily call it a biopic. It's definitely because I don't think any of this actually happened. No, what I'm saying is if they did make like a biopic about Ma Rainey, I don't think it would be as interesting as this. Like I found this to be a lot more interesting. Well, so part of the, I think when, uh, I think Viola Davis said it in that 30 minute, I keep referring back to that 30 minute thing that I watched, but I think that one of the things that she said was one of the, the most significant components is just following people in their every, showing them what an everyday is like. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this was a very eventful every day. It was, yeah. I, I I just feel like I would love to see this on stage. I don't really watch a whole lot of plays. I, I usually see, you know, more. I'm a musical person, but yeah. I, I would I never really got into plays before. But I would love to see this on stage. And I just feel like emotions replaced action here, mm-hmm. and I'm okay with that because you have to have. I mean, action in theory, moves the story forward. It was a lot of the dialogue that moved it forward, but the dialogue wasn't lifeless. It was packed with pure um, emotion the whole way through. And like a series of emotions and different dimensions, like we saw different versions of anger and angst and Mm -hmm. frustration and joy. We saw, and we saw it on different levels in different characters' faces, in the words that they said. So, I'm okay with not a lot of action happening because I feel like action was replaced with emotion. Yeah. Which is not a really good way to put it. And it's just, it's jam packed emotions for an hour and a half. That's intense. It is intense. I, I, I agree. Honestly, like that's a very, very good way to put it because you get so wrapped up in each person's story and it's not so much that you're watching the story unfold in front of you, you're hearing a person tell it, and there's so much more emotion behind that as opposed to actually watching it because you're getting the inner dialogue that you don't get by just watching it. Yeah. And I even think at the end, you know, when he does, like, I was like, that's how they're going to end it? And then I remembered to myself, it's a play, Stina. Don't. You're thinking of a movie ending. It's a play. So I had no problem with the ending because i that's a very play way to do things, I think. Yeah. I mean, Shakespeare's been doing that for a very long time. You, you, kill, the, you kill the person. I, yeah, and I just, I, it, that didn't, um, it didn't surprise me. And it wasn't, again, it wasn't out of character. It was his character coming to the whole show. We're watching him slowly but surely explode. Mm-hmm. in stages and you know that last look in his eye you're like something he the man looked unhinged yeah so I knew that something was going to happen and since it was a play it would only make sense that it would be a large dramatic kind of climax it yeah just made sense I feel like the real ending though like that was the climax but like the ending with those guys singing uh, Levy's songs that just gutted me I was like oh my god I knew you were gonna do it but you did it and I was just like ugh. I think so I think the part that made it so I was like fuming but I think the part that made me so angry about it was that it was one black man who wrote the lyrics mm-hmm. and it, it was a sea 
of white people. So many white people. So many people involved, all of them white. It was the people playing the instruments, the person directing it. It was the producer. It was the manager. It was all of the singers and the background singers and the, um, what, what, the, what are they called? Conductor. Conductor. They were all white. It was just like 25 white people on stage doing what one black man did. Yeah. That, I think, just spoke, like, volumes. Ugh. It was such, it just pissed me off so much. Oh, I was so angry. It wasn't like they just took this song that a black person wrote and gave it to a white person. It was, they did this, he did this one thing. It's just so many people. Yeah. So many people a part of it. Like, that part, I, that was the part that got me. It, it was just a sea of them. It wasn't just, not that one is better than the other. All of them are awful. But particularly, I think that there were, because there were so many people, it just made, like, such a larger, grander statement. Also, if you think about it from a business standpoint, they had to pay every single one of those people. Meanwhile, they were trying to get... Sylvester's $25 out of Ma's pay. Yeah, oh, I know. Yeah, I, so... Yeah. And I like how they up. showed that she was wise to that game. Yeah. That she pulled no punches there, too. Um, What else did I have here? We, I mean, the acting. I think the only low that I had was that I kind of wish Viola Davis sang. She only sang one song, and it was really? the one where she's um, hugging her girlfriend. The rest of it's not her singing. Does she sing? I don't well, she sang that one piece. I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know if I Davis sings. That I mean that's what got Renee the the uh, Oscar last year. Right, yeah. <laughs> it really is because she did a little bit of everything. But I I I think that I just think that the acting from from every character was big. Yeah. Big big moves, big emotions, like it was nice to see that on the screen. Yeah, definitely. Snack Snack break. break. So what'd you eat? Well, I watched this this morning. So I had, um, I have these things called paleo bars. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're made with like, they're kind of like the ladder bars. They're made with dates and they have almonds in them and chia seeds and like flax seeds i don't they taste better than i'm making them sound do they sell them at trader joe's because i think i saw them this morning no um costco costco yeah and a cup of coffee that's what i had i didn't feel like eating a whole lot this morning and sometimes those bars are like just enough but they pair very nicely with my coffee Mm. what flavor are they they're they don't really have a flavor it's just paleo bar (laughs) there's no flavor to them they have flavor, but it's not like blueberry or yeah. raspberry. It's, it's just, not like yeah. a RX bar or Lara bar where we have our favorite flavors. Yeah, no. If it was like, if you could make an RX bar standard, that's what this is. Gotcha. Yeah. So I had, speaking of Trader Joe's, I had to buy, again, the almond butter almonds from Trader Joe's. I had Snapchatted you about them. They're absolutely incredible. Have you had them yet? No, they don't have them at the Trader Joe's by me. Okay, I'll have to grab some for for you and bring them over. I didn't mean to be so (laughs) funny. When I want the almond butter almonds. I sound like, what's his name? The the, um, the manager. The manager? The manager. Irwin. Irvin. Irvin? Irvin? Yeah. Irvine. He's trying to get her to sign the release forms, and he's like, Mom, I did everything right. (laughs) 
That's what I felt like. They don't have them by me. Mine did everything right. I'll buy some for you next time and I'll bring them home. So they are almond. The almond butter almonds sounds horribly redundant, but they are almonds and they're covered in almond butter and it kind of tastes like a peanut M&M without the candy coating. Okay. But saltier and they're very, very delicious. They're addictive. So addictive. Like, I'm, I'm about to go finish the rest of the bag right now because I love them so much. You're not going to go to the bathroom for weeks. <laughs> Thank you for letting the entire podcast know about my bowel movements, Christina. I'm making an assumption about your bowel movements. I'm not telling them what's actually happening. That's on you. Uh, moving on. <laughs> what, <laughs> moving did you, right along. what did you expect from this movie? I... So I didn't know, again, um, what part of, what phase Ma Rainey would be in, the beginning of her career, the end of her career. Again, very similar to like the Judy Garland movie. I wasn't sure where, where we were starting or where we were ending. And I, I really don't mean to compare them because they are very different. This mm-hmm. one was based on a play, but I hadn't heard of the play. I had only heard of the play. I didn't really I know what it was about because I knew who um, – August Wilson was, mm-hmm. but I didn't know what the play was about. But I assumed that it would focus, and I know I shouldn't assume, mm-hmm. but I assumed that it would focus more on Ma and not so much on the band. Um, so that was a nice surprise. I thought it was a nice balance. Yeah, I agree. I I thought it was about jazz in the 40s, so talk about assuming. It's actually about the blues in the 20s, Danielle. Way to go. I... When I was watching it, I'm like, is this a play? And then I, then they said at the end that it was based on a play. And I was like, okay, yeah. Um, I also did not realize that it was going to focus more on the band than on Ma. But I thought that was an interesting twist to things. Um, and I was expecting it to be more of a biopic and less of a play. But honestly, I was pleasantly surprised. I enjoyed the movie a lot. I thought it was very fascinating. Same. Did you have an IRL moment? I have an IRL moment that can relate to both of us. I have one for you. I don't have one for me. Okay, you tell me yours first. Okay. The Coke scene. (laughs) The slugging of the Coke? No, no, no. She's like, I'm not doing anything without my Coca-Cola. I was like, this is Danielle, but it's just Diet Coke. I mean, I don't drink Diet Coke anymore, but when I was young, when I was... I'll let you know that. I'll, like, I'll dabble, but not as much as I used to when I was younger. Okay, well, let me, let me rephrase it then. This is the Santa luncheon, and it's 12 o'clock at night, and your mom is working with us. And she's... Your mom's not doing a damn thing without a Diet Coke in her hand. Yeah, no. No, she has her little turvis. She has her little floral turvis with her <laughs> straw, and she's ready to... <laughs> And she's and got Diet Coke stashed somewhere her. else. Every year I go over to her and I'm like, is that Diet Coke? And she goes, yeah, it is. <laughs> Why do you keep asking? It never changes. <laughs> never changes. The woman loves her Diet Coke. What is, what is yours? This we can relate to. So you know how Sylvester, it took Sylvester so many times to record his little intro and when it was finally recorded, the mic wasn't plugged in. <laughs> oh. So every episode <laughs> ever. In all per- 77 of them. Uh, this is episode 80, Christina. This is 80? This is 80. 
Is it technically like 81 because of episode zero? No, we'll just go by the regular numbers. It's, it's episode 80. 80. Welcome to episode 80. Yeah. Oh while, my God. while we're we closing it up. something special for our 100th episode. It's coming up. We got 20 more episodes. 20 weeks. We have, we have like a half a year to figure it out. So I think we should tell them about what happened with, we'll mention it on the, um, on the YouTube channel as well, but I think we need to tell them what happened with the IPA and me pressing record on your... <laughs> Okay, so for those of you who watch the YouTube channel, Danielle and I record from my phone. Okay, it's a brand new iPhone SE, not the old SE, but the new SE, which has the better camera. Yes. And for a very long time, we were filming it using the face front camera. Um, because so we could see if we were in frame, it was easier for us. But then as I'm filming it, I'm like, why does this look so gritty? Why do we never have like decent quality? How do How does everybody else have decent quality? And then... Christina sat down and thought about it, and she was like, huh, I forgot that the camera on the back is so much better than the camera on the front, because any moron uses the camera on the back to do real photography. So I was like, Danielle, we have to start using <laughs> the back camera so that we have a decent quality. And Danielle held her head, and she was like, all right. So I was like, we have to set it up. You're going to have to go behind the camera with, with our make literal makeshift stand i yeah. don't think i can tell you any other way but we're basically using a standing desk textbooks and like it's it's really jimmy rigged it's 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 all over the place we we make it happen we we macgyvered our way we did <laughs> to becoming to having a youtube channel so i i said to danielle just make sure that we're in frame and then make sure that the video is on and so danielle made sure that we were in frame and we had this IPA that was given to us by Dave. And um, it, it was amazing. It was, Danielle actually liked it. The video ended up being 20 minutes long. Yes. And Danielle had the video on, but she had it on slow-mo. <laughs> so bad. It was so bad. I felt so bad when I figured it out. I was like, are you kidding me? We did this whole thing and it's in slow-mo so at first it's fine and then all of a sudden we start talking like this and it's just i'm just are you kidding me so that me of the one video you took of me with the snapchat filter on and you put it in slow-mo and i'm like look how big my eyes look merry christmas and happy, happy new year <laughs> excellent so yeah that's what the whole video was and it was so bad and i was like i need to track down this beer so i did by the way i have three of them for you at my parents house i'll pass them over to you when you get a chance because we're splitting the six pack but i located it and we'll be re-recording that but first time not so good <laughs> it's not the first time i mean there have been times where I leave the videos in Skype too long. <laughs> and you're frantically emailing Skype. How do I get back? Let me tell you something. That Skype was absolutely useless to me. <laughs> I'm not surprised. It sounds about right. <laughs> absolutely useless. I'm like, I know. I know about the internet. I know a thing or two about the World Wide Web, okay? I know that everything is permanent. Why can't you give me my file back? Who give makes it, up these rules? Give it back to me, please. Give it. My, did everything right. <laughs> 
gimme! <laughs> and on that note... <laughs> I think we did it all at this point. We did. So everyone, check it out. Check out Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Also, you have to stay tuned because the Oscars, the Academy Awards, is Sunday, April 25th. And we're going to watch it. I think we'll call this one out out at the Oscars. We've been going to the Globes. Now we're, we're out, out at the Oscars. Oscars. I need to figure out what I'm wearing. I have an idea. So stay tuned. We're going to do something special for that. And we'll put information out on Instagram and Twitter. Yep. All right. Do you want to give us, you want to let them know our oh, Instagram right. and Twitter? Um. So you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Hey It's Two Girls. I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Classic Cena. Danielle's on Instagram at Danielle Kobianki. Give us an email. Give us a shout out. Don't forget, um, you have access to our watch lists for sure on Instagram. So you should write a review if you've seen something that we've watched, mm-hmm. and we'll read it. We just we just kind of need you to send it to us first, please. Um, please. Two girls drink beer, check out the YouTube channel, and check out the blog Beer Coffee Donuts. That's it. All right, everyone. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Bye. Bye. What's up?